Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Lockdown extended. We've just come too far. We've lost too many loved ones. We've already sacrificed far too much to ease up now. 22 million jobs lost in the United States. Jobs are being shed on a scale unseen since the Great Depression. And why travel will never be the same again. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. The UK will remain in lockdown for at least three more weeks as Dominic Raab urged the public to be patient. The Foreign Secretary said any change to social distancing measures would significantly increase the spread of the virus. If we rush to relax the measures that we have in place, we would risk wasting all the sacrifices and all the progress that has been made. And that would risk a quick return to another lockdown with all the threat to life that a second peak of the virus would bring and all the economic damage that a second lockdown would carry. The government's chief scientific advisor said the number of new cases was flattening and the rate of infection, the R0 value, is now almost certainly below one, meaning infected people are now passing the disease on to fewer than one person on average. But Mr Raab also said there were still issues with the virus spreading in some hospitals and care homes. The Foreign Secretary refused to give details of how and when restrictions might ease. But The Telegraph's Daniel Capuro tells us what the government will be looking at as they make that decision. The most important thing is that the government's scientific advisors will be looking to see that the UK is well past the peak of the epidemic. While deaths are an indicator, there's a lag in their reporting for various reasons. Hospital admissions and the number of patients being moved into intensive care units is a more responsive measure. Once it's clear that we're past the peak, ministers will want to know that any measures they take won't risk a renewed surge in infections. Although they do want to lift restrictions as soon as is safe, because otherwise the damage to the economy could become severe and permanent. Any end to the lockdown will only be a partial one. Some measures, such as working from home if you can and isolation if you become ill, will probably remain in place for months. The absence of Boris Johnson has reportedly meant that Cabinet is yet to draw up a unified plan. Still, several ideas are being banded around. These include allowing younger people to return to work, because they're less vulnerable to severe illness, or designating more sectors of the economy as essential. The government has actually been surprised by how compliant people have been, and they're worried that some businesses have closed down when they didn't actually need to. If the capacity of the NHS to treat people continues to increase, the UK could cope with a wider spread of the illness. But that's a risky strategy because they could lose control of the epidemic. The discovery of a successful way to treat the illness, either with a new drug or with a combination of existing ones, would make this a more viable option. 
Another way ministers hope might work is to follow South Korea's lead and focus on so-called track and trace measures. This would require lots of testing of the population. So far, though, South Korea has avoided lockdown. Ultimately, the only way to lift all social distancing measures completely would to be to find an effective vaccine. Another 5.2 million Americans filed for unemployment benefits last week in the latest evidence of the devastating impact COVID-19 is having on the US labour market. It's down from 6.6 million the previous week, but brings the total number of people filing jobless claims over the last month to a staggering 22 million. It comes as the number of US virus cases approaches 650,000. The new figures show almost all of the 22 2.8 million jobs created following the financial crash have been erased. The Telegraph's markets reporter Louis Ashworth has more. Jobs have been shed on a scale unseen since the Great Depression, and the US government has been struggling to manage its response to the economic disruption being caused. Experts say the figures mean the US unemployment rate has already spiked into the mid-teens, as likely to have already exceeded the peak it hit during the Great Financial Crisis more than a decade ago. Economists have been unsure how many claims to expect. Consensus expectations have suggested around 5 million to 5.5 million new claims, but some ran as high as 8 million. It's likely the numbers, however dire, still understate the true extent of the problem. They don't include some workers, such as those in the gig economy and on temporary contracts. However, there may be a silver lining. Some layoffs are expected to be temporary as companies pause their operations to comply with lockdown rules. That might mean that rehiring is quicker once a recovery begins. The President of the European Commission has apologised to Italy for the EU's failure to support the country in the early stages of the crisis. Italy's seen the world's second largest death toll, with more than 21,000 people losing their lives. Italy's politicians have said other EU member states were slow to help. And today, Ursula von der Leyen tried to heal those wounds in the European Parliament. Yes, it is true that no one was really ready for this. It is also true that too many were not there on time when Italy needed a helping hand at the very beginning. And yes, for that, it is right that Europe as a whole offers a heartfelt apology. James Crisp is The Telegraph's Brussels correspondent. He tells us why the European Commission president felt the need to apologise. In early March, Italy, the worst hit country in the EU by the pandemic, put out an SOS call to its fellow member states for medical equipment. After a week, only Croatia had offered any help. Little wonder that Russian, Chinese and even Cuban help has been so enthusiastically welcomed by the stricken Italians who have traditionally always been pro-EU. The EU's role is to facilitate coordination and communication between the member states, run joint procurement schemes, fund research into vaccinations. But first and foremost, it's not to get in the way of national government's response to the crisis. To this end, it has relaxed its fiscal rules for national budgets and its state aid laws. It is calling for the next EU budget to be big enough to spur the economic recovery. But an Italian call for an EU corona bond to help the recovery was rejected by Germany and the Netherlands. Both countries have no desire to underwrite debt to fund spending in another country. Today in the European Parliament, Mrs von der Leyen made an impassioned plea for EU unity. She claimed that the EU is now the beating heart of solidarity and all the member states were helping each other and especially Italy. But with relations between Brussels and Rome strained, 
it's hard to see many Italians agreeing with her. In a move that'll please fans of the aisle seat, EasyJet's planning to leave middle seats free to allow for social distancing once travel restrictions are lifted. The company grounded its entire fleet at the end of March and expects to see a £380 million loss for the first half of its financial year. It comes after The Telegraph reported that the cost of flights could double after the lockdowns lifted because of seats being left empty. But while these measures are temporary, The Telegraph's Greg Dickinson says that after the lockdown's lifted, travel will never be the same. This isn't the first time a major global event has closed down travel, but when it has stopped in the past, the industry tends to emerge looking quite different to how it did before. Following World War II, with accelerations in jetliner technologies, we saw the ushering in of the jet age, the golden era of travel in the 50s and 60s. Then following 9-11, we saw the dawning of the security era, The way we board flights may never be the same again. And then after the 2008 financial crash, when the travel industry ground to a halt and then rebooted again, we found disrupting startups like Airbnb and Instagram clearing away the rubble of the old era of travel. So yes, we will travel the world again one day. But the question is, how? The cruise industry certainly faces an uphill battle from here, that's for sure. Travel insurance policies are going to tighten up in the future we may well see a short-term rise in domestic tourism as we nervously regain faith in overseas travel. But what else? Could we see the end of business travel as the world turns to platforms like Zoom? Will there be a rise in last-minute bookings to avoid all of these laborious flight cancellations and refunds we're having to go through? And will hygiene and health become part of the airport security process? We will fly off to exotic climbs one day soon. But if history is anything to go by we'll be looking down on a very different world indeed. If you're missing your holidays or, frankly, just a change of scene, The Telegraph is running something quite extraordinary, actually. A socially distant journey to one of the most beautiful coastal routes in the world, the Coral Coast Highway on the west coast of Australia. At 4pm on Friday, documentary maker and marine biologist Monty Halls will help you beat the lockdown blues by showing you round, virtually, of course. It's travel without the mosquito bites, jet lag or price tag. I'll put details of how to join that in the show notes. What was once for many a necessary chore seems to have become the most joyous hour of the day, your daily state-sanctioned run. You only have to look out the window to see that with gym doors firmly shut, more people are pounding the streets. But some aren't just running for fun, if you can call it that. If you're on social media, you're likely to have seen people completing the 5K challenge to help NHS staff, volunteers and isolated patients. The premise is simple. Run 5K, donate £5 to NHS charities together and nominate five people to do the same. With an original goal of, you guessed it, £5,000, the Run for Heroes campaign has now made over two and a half million. Earlier, I spoke to its founder, Olivia Strong, who came up with the idea whilst on a run in Edinburgh. I started by asking her if she ever expected to raise this vast sum of money. I never thought I'd raise that. No, I, I mean, it's funny though, because it's, it's it's relative. You know, once we got to a million, I was like, yeah, well, let's raise two million. And I was like, wait, take a step back. That's another million. And then that million got raised on Tuesday in a day. Crazy amounts of money. And I think because, you know, loads of people got behind it on the Easter weekend. It was sunny weather, which has been in our favour. And... Like you or I and anybody that's, you know, 
in lockdown at the moment, we want to do more. And this gives you a platform to be able to do that. That's a fantastic achievement. Congratulations, Olivia. To be honest, I think it's proof that every good campaign needs a brilliant slogan. We've seen celebrities like Ellie Goulding, Jessie Ware, even Mo Farah take part. Who would you like to see take part next? I would absolutely love if um, Captain Tom gave us a picture of him doing the five. (laughs) Because he's such a hero and I love him. Um, But I don't expect him to walk another five kilometres. I would love if David Beckham would do it. Um, He has been nominated, I've noticed, him and um, Victoria Beckham. And Romeo Beckham has done it. So... If he got behind it, I think it would be be absolutely incredible. Olivia, my final question, and there is a right and a wrong answer to this, is I've been tagged five times. Does that mean I have to run 25 (laughs) kilometres? I love that. Um, You know what? I keep telling people if they've done it once, why don't they do it again? So I think if you you could spread out your 25k, I wouldn't expect you. don't want you to be going out and running that all at once. I I think that might take me over the state-sanctioned hour anyway. So luckily it's banned. If you have a question you'd like us to answer or a topic you think we should address, email me. It's coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis, and I'll be back on Friday evening with your next update. In the meantime, you can access all of our news, analysis and advice completely free for the first 30 days. Go to telegraph.co.uk slash audio. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be (laughs) Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was, like... Wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird. But you, yeah, you, you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.